hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, guys, it's uh, it's upon us. That's right. Spooky season. It's here. <laughs> spooky season. <laughs> Just like saying it with some kind of sincerity. <laughs> it's spooky season. Whatever. It's October. And October is a fun time of year because despite the fact that we talk about horror a lot on this podcast, uh, this is the month where we put out these special bonus episodes uh, where we focus entirely on the horror genre and a lot of different facets of it. We've been doing this for a good long time at this point. I think like seven or eight years at this point. Been a while. So we have, you know, a a lot of episodes in the docket already as far as uh, a variety of different uh, topics we've covered. This year, we've decided to go international. We have gone international for this set of horror-themed episodes. And uh, which means that each week, with the exception of our commentary track, we're going to be talking about a different country's relationship to horror films, uh, which I think should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, that that is the plan for this series of horror films. This for this week's first uh, 2023 horror special, we're going to be talking about South Korean horror specifically South Korea. So that is the mm-hmm. intention for today. And joining Abe and I to discuss these films we have from the Brandon Peters show and why so blue. He's seen the devil and now he's staring into a mirror. It's Brandon Peters. Hello, happy to be Hi, on board once again. Um, these are always so much fun. I love them. Also joining us from Cal State Fullerton. He's given his ghostly housemaid the night off so he can take some podcast revenge. It's Professor Mike Dillon. Annyeonghaseyo. That was good. You have a housemaid, by the way? What's going on? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Glad to have you both here. Brandon, of course, you are always with us on these horror episodes. These are plenty fun and it's nice to have you on with us mike it's good to get you on for one of the, we, we kind of like crossed over because of the monster palooza episodes that we've done in the past and the way yeah. that kind of wraps right into these um but it's nice to get you on one of these uh these proper horror episodes as well yeah i feel like uh i've been upgraded <laughs> i mean you know logan marshall from, Green margins, busy, from the margins so. i'm inching my way to the center <laughs> for sure <laughs> um we of course love to have our friends jimmy o and jason colston coleman with us uh jimmy's uh he he should ideally be on for some of these um, in the in the coming weeks. Jason, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to make it this year around. Uh, but regardless, this should be a lot of fun. We got a lot of you know we have we have Mike, we have Brandon, uh, we have lots of other fun guests coming on as well. So this should be a fun series of episodes to go over as we cover these topic. And um, yeah, I mean the hey, show notes we need to go over. I mean I mentioned the commentary. The commentary is going to be at the end of the month this month, and it's going to be for The Exorcist, uh, William Friedkin's nineteen seventy three. Don't uh, like that one. That, is that any good? Is that any good? <laughs> I, I've heard good things. I've heard it's like about as good as um um uh, Jade, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. Oh, good! I like Jade. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there we go. Know, given the the upcoming uh, Exorcist Believer, which we will have seen by the time we do right. the commentary track for the movie, uh, we figured why not and talk I about saw the her ex- face. <laughs> now I'm a believer. I hope it. I hope the, that movie ends freeze frame on like Ellen Burstyn and like these two girls, and they like give like a thumbs up. Hey, we're not possessed anymore, and then it cuts to the, the, the songs playing in the background. I mean, that'd be like an Expendables type of exit. Honestly, yes. <laughs> what are you doing in my swamp? 
All right. So what are we doing? South Korean horror. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. What a transition. What a transition. Fucking nailed that segue. <laughs> South Korean horror. Um, let's talk about it um huh. it's horror and it ha- it's from south korea <laughs> from south korea here's oh. like here's directors my curi- actors spooky here's, here's my curiosity because we're doing all these different countries and while i wouldn't say like every country has their own like way of doing things when it comes to genres or what have you i certainly think there's elements that stand out especially within certain genres and horror is obviously at the topic here so when I, when you when you think of South Korean horror, I have my own answer for this, but I'm curious for you guys, what like, and I'm assuming that you've done various forms of research, or at least have seen plenty of South Korean films, since that's the very topic we're going over. What are elements that like stood out to you, just like going into like this specific country and like the films that you've watched? Like what what is it that you saw in the, in this country that like maybe like just seemed like a uni- uniform theme or ideas that kind of kept being prevalent in the various films. I, I was waiting for him to call and somebody would have step over. I was going to call somebody, but I figured maybe somebody would jump in. But Brandon, why don't you go? All right. I'll, okay. So I, my main, my prime area of focus here uh, for the South Korean horror was like a, a late, very late nineties through a lot of the OOs mm-hmm. uh, because that was the sweet spot for me when I discovered South Korean horror cinema. Uh, I was really big. Like, if you'd have talked to my friends in uh, Los Angeles when I was living there at the time, or people at my work, they'd probably say, "Yeah, he didn't shut up about South Korean horror films at this time." <laughs> so, um, basically, what I liked uh, about that era, and uh, there were other things too, but they they seemed to take the movie uh, Seven and just be like, "Let's make stuff like this a lot." Like, there was a lot of, um. Not so much next knockoffs, but these like, you know, horror horror police detective procedurals with amazing premises that I liked. Uh, Japan would also get kind of on that too, mm-hmm. a little bit. But they had that. Um, they had some wildly talented directors come out of there. Um, I believe it was you know I saw Old Boy and I think it just like clicked all this. Like what else is in South Korea? And I liked Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and all that. And I just started digging. Um, one of the best educational gateways to this uh was a uh dvd label at the time called tartan palisades Mm -hmm. Uh, and they also had the asia extreme label or whatever (laughs) uh but they were putting out stuff like nobody else and i was like up to it like just you know renting stuff buying stuff like just i i wanted to take it all in uh they actually went defunct in somewhere like in the early 2010s which is a shame because they were putting out uh, amazing stuff and there's a lot of there's a lot of titles that never made it over here um still to this day even um because they just hadn't got to them uh but um there was all sorts of horror from like haunted house tales ghost tales um all sorts of things but um a lot of a lot of the police procedurals in the era I was uh, more focused on, and where was my where I discovered uh, the the cinema was with with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I jump in because yeah, I go go yes, yes, please, yeah. yes, please. What you're identifying, I think, is a really necessary preamble because it, it's it's like a small elephant in the room when you're talking about Korean horror, which is that uh, I was talking to Aaron a couple days ago, and I I called this the Silence of the Lambs problem. Hmm. Uh, which we, we might as well call the seven problem as well, which is that. Well, I, I think, these... yeah, because seven well, comes from silence, but I think they see seven oh, and that's what they take. Well, the 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 quote unquote problem is that 
a lot of these are films that are more accurately described as psychological thrillers or okay. detective thrillers, yes. but um, they get talked about as horror or horror adjacent, at least in the pop culture, right? So like Silence of the Lambs is a psychological thriller, but like Hannibal Lecter is considered one of the great horror villains of all time. So it's a little fuzzy where those boundaries are. And in the same vein, this has become one of sort of South Korean cinema's most signature genres, at least uh, if you go by Western reception, um, the revenge thriller, right? Or the detective mm -hmm. thriller. Right. There's sometimes, I mean, they, they fall along that genre narrative, but they're oftentimes so brutal and gruesome by mainstream Hollywood standards that it's deemed to spill over into, into the horrific, even though the films mm -hmm. are accurately described as thrillers. And so that overlap, I think, is... Uh, like really useful terrain for us, but it's also something that mm -hmm. is is a bit tricky and fuzzy. I think a little hazy. Right, and yeah, I yeah definitely. Silence of the Lambs is the genesis of it, but I feel like when I see these and I see stylistically and things, I feel like they they're more they're they're coming off of Seven, which comes from that, which I I, I tend to see a because lot. Because you of have like a, the, a younger director, aesthetic, who's, yeah, who's going from a from coming from music video era versus John right. Debbie, who has a more classical way of handling his pictures. And I do yeah, I sure. I would agree with you, like you know both both films can be an influence here, but in terms right. of like just looking at the, the way the, you know, the editing rhythms are the way they're directed, the way cinematography the, is functioning. Yeah. Like it, it's not suggesting Takfukamoto in the way it's in the same way it's suggesting what, what uh, Fincher has going with mm -hmm. Lucy's cinematographer on seven. Oh, yeah. I don't know offhand. I can look it up. I just watched it the other day too. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We'll keep going as, as I look it up. Darius? Well, sorry. Is it Darius Kanji? It is Darius Kanji. You're right. Yeah. Oh, there you it's, go. It's, yeah, it's Kanji. Um, and I mean, I, I I agree with what you're saying as far as, you know, my answer for this question goes. I mean, the I, I the the clear thing that stood out to me based on just the films I've been seeing and just the films I know about here is revenge and like specifically female ghost stories seem to be the most popular concept that goes throughout throughout a lot of uh, South Korean horror cinema. Uh, mm -hmm. There are I other elements, Asian of course. Cinema, Asian cinema generally does. In general, yeah. Ghosts is, because hair. like, yeah, yeah it, it makes a yeah. lot of sense. But uh, but like Revenge, of course, is a major play. And I don't expect us to not talk about certain films as we get to our kind of round robin discussion of the different films that we picked out here. Um, um, do you guys yeah. know it's like a theme and this this occur, this would occur, will occur in like Japanese films as well. Um, but like a lot of like ties to like school year, like school sure. days or like um, maybe a, a focusing on like school like academies stuff like that well it seems yeah. like it, you know if you're talking yeah. revenge you have just by the way of what i've gleaned from the culture is that a mm -hmm. lot of these relationships were not formed because that's the biggest communal point for so many right. people and characters and so that's and that's where past traumas various forms of drama and what have you like mm -hmm. develop to begin with from these old relationships that they need to hash out or figure out in some in some kind of way mm -hmm. that's certainly yeah certainly a lot of things that i noticed well, the education system in East Asia is also uh, a place that it's 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 a it's a it's an area that applies a great deal of institutional pressure on still young minds uh -huh. right. in terms of you know testing and, and entrance exams and, and things like that, which is why uh, suicide rates among uh, teenagers are extraordinarily high in, in right. that part of the world as well. And so that kind of simmering tension, um, I think, lends itself toward what is ultimately like cathartic genre, right? Horror and the horrific. Yeah. You yeah. I want to hear from you because I'm always so fascinated on your your <laughs> horror opinions as we get into this, especially when we when we can we could pin you down and force you to watch lots of horror movies for a certain amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, I'm actually really fascinated, and I'm really happy that we chose this topic for this year. Uh, and 
primarily because of things uh, like what you just mentioned where i am not the biggest horror aficionado i don't watch the as many horror movies as you guys do probably like you know in a in a year definitely not um but i am always fascinated because while i haven't had uh, uh, tons of exposure i would basically agree with what mike and, and brain were talking about with just the south korean horror films that i have seen they feel very matter of fact and they feel very like you know i i would I kind of hesitate to use the term gritty just because it's pretty uh, outdated these days or, or yeah. just used all the time. Um, but it is just, you know, brutal. And it, it, it can just be really presented in such a way that allows you to kind of just feel like what Mike was saying. Like Maybe it's not just, uh, maybe it's psychological thriller now. Now it's like less horror. But there's like all these like weird meta elements in these movies too. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can see why it fits in some of these genres. However, you move into other South Korean movies that we'll probably talk about as well. And they're also just really like, <laughs> I hesitate to say this too, they feel very Korean, <laughs> which is like, oh, well, here's like this really like heartfelt uh, segment of the of the story that is just um, played for, for audiences or what have you. Uh, and then I hear also... you on that. No, I hear you on that for sure. There's a couple of um, films but... are, that seem very distinctly of the region. Um... <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but if you watch a lot of like K drama, it's it's a lot of uh similar yeah, themes and similar sure. ways that they <laughs> that they shoot those, um in a horror element. So yeah, I, I I'm curious because I, I again I probably have not watched as many South Korean horror films as you guys have, but I did do some research on it and I have seen just a handful of movies here. But I I'm very curious to hear how this plays out. Can I also point out? I think it, it's whenever we're having a conversation like this and sort of putting my uh, uh academic hat on um this issue applies to any country we might be talking about which is that um you know we're talking about films that have for the most part become available for us to watch over here in the states because of this rarefied space of film festival circuits mm -hmm. right and that does come with a certain set of trappings so film festival audiences and the kind of gatekeeping that comes with that um notably focus on auteurs um Park Chan-wook, Bong Joon-ho, these are like particularly important names in the last couple of decades. So mm -hmm. I think it's always important to kind of offer a grain of salt in this regard. Um, if we're checking off the best of any national cinema outside of the U.S., we're kind of at the mercy of what's available and what's sort of been approved by much larger sort of forces and sure. cultures that inform the film festival circuit. Um, this is changing drastically recently due to streaming services. Just things are, are yeah. more available. But, um, you know, in the world of cinema, at least, there's still kind of a lot of holdover from that older model. And I think the the point that Abe brought up, which is that these films feel a bit sort of, quote unquote, Korean, by, by which you mean the sort of like soapy K-drama sure. yeah. sentimentality that kind of always sort of works its way into other you know, more horror-oriented genres. I think that's largely, you know, not to be, uh, it's, it's not as surprising when you think about the fact that the revenge thrillers and the sort of post old boy demand for these kinds of movies and these types of genre films, it's not really all that reflective of what they're actually watching in Korea. These films do make money in Korea, but if you look at the major box office sort of uh, biggest hits over there, they're like melodramas and comedies or historical epics, right? And so yes. there is kind of a, a weird sort of kind of a crowbar separation you have to make between what the national audience of Korea is actually watching versus the kind of stuff that's deemed most marketable for Western audiences that then inform what gets exported to the West. Right? Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and well, we're not going to be talking about like Hong Kong or, or China uh, later in the series. 
that is very true for those box offices as well, right? They're very, they're much more like the, of those epics that we've seen here in the U.S. imported in things like Hero or something like that, where it's like, oh, well, these are like, what was that Matt Damon movie where uh, the he, Wall, the Great yeah, Wall, the, yeah? But that's like an example of like, well, this is the type of movie that that these audiences go see because they're more historical epics. Uh, it, but yeah, that's a great point about film festivals and just how the world has kind of closed. But there's just a bunch of like geeks out there too. Like Guillermo del Toro, who will champion, or Quentin Tarantino, champion, yeah. like a small movie, and be like, "You guys have to watch this." And then all of a sudden, it gets released by a distributor that he uh, he knows or is friends with. There's still a lot of gatekeeping involved in that too, though, because um, Brandon mentioned like Asia Extreme, which was a DVD mm -hmm. label for a while, and um, you know, and like J Horror, K Horror. I mean, these are marketing designations created by Western companies. Yeah, right. Um, That's a good point. I mean, is it? I guess I wonder, is gatekeeping, is that like inherently bad when it comes to this kind of thing? It's like they're making these labels because they know that like it's a business. Like it's not a matter of we're trying to separate this art because we think this is better. It's more of we know this will sell. Like if we make, uh, you know, Asia romance, it might not be, you know, it might not be as marketable to, you know, a vast audience that collects physical media. Right. But it has this sort of curating effect, right? So that the things that we tend to see over here may not be that representative in, of of what's actually mainstream and sort of palatable over there for us to be able to say that we can extrapolate xyz about korean culture based on this narrow sliver of things and it also sometimes produces the kind of interesting dynamic in which sort of local korean filmmakers are making films that are deliberately designed with an overseas market in mind mm -hmm. as opposed to a local and domestic one um we're, we're leaving Korea for a second, but I remember uh, Zhang Yimou was accused of this because when he made Hero, that mm -hmm. that I think terrific Jet Li film, there were people in China who were kind of critical of him because you're saying like you're making a sort of martial arts epic that's clearly tailored to Western spectacle rather than um, local audiences. And so, you know, given that that's a historical epic, you're, you're kind of mining our own local history for the purposes of this sort of self-orientalization, mm -hmm. which... Yeah, I'm not I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that allegation, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic that comes into play when you're making films in a local context, but with a global future in mind for that film eventually. I'd also say it's a two way street, though, too, because you look at the American films that transfer over overseas to any number of countries. It's not you know, you're not hearing about the various comedies. If anything, comedies are terrible overseas because it's comedy and it's subjective and it well, doesn't comedy and it's, from it's, other countries. Exactly. Like everybody's comedies don't really translate yeah. i hear you for yes for the most part what the main point is though it's the action films and the spectacle films that get there and that's the impression of america they have that we blow shit up all the time that's why the, the giant movies with this visual effects are the ones that make money overseas i mean and that's their depiction of us it's uh, they're not wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's true we right we do i blow up three things on the way to this podcast but this is taking us down a different road um so I, but i do think we've we've talked about uh you know this the subject significantly enough before we get to these films which will you know lead to more conversation about the the genre in general so let's do that let's get to it let's get to the films that we've we've, we've curated uh for our own lists for the sake of this podcast and um brandon i want to start with you what is the oh. what, is, what is the first film on your list of South Korean films, I have curated. And, um, and tell me, like, do, do you have a process for the films that you picked? Is there anything and you kept in mind? Or, well, Aaron, tell me something. No, answer my question. <laughs> yes, tell, tell me what? Yeah, tell me something. That's my first film. It's called Tell Me Something from nineteen ninety nine. Um, I went with a lot of um, so I went with some faves that uh were of the era that I talked about, and I 
also had a um a bucket list i guess one that i could never find back then that i found now to watch uh and one yeah just a couple of those and then i have one more recent one from a genre trying to look at something more i don't want to say trashier but uh but trashier more, more <laughs> mainstreamish type thing from more recent years or whatever I was kind of looking at um so what's tell but, me something so uh tell me something um i'm gonna murder names here i'm not as good as mike down there at all <laughs> so uh it's it's directed by yun uh, hyun yang and it's so it's this movie that i this is one where i saw the premise and i'm like i have to see this i think i saw um somewhere after in college after seeing the movie um Spoiler, I'm going to talk about it in another episode called A Suicide Club. This one came up. So Suicide Club is not from this country. Um, but Tell Me Something was. And it's about uh, this cop who's uh, sort of under investigation about, like, his mother died and there's some weird funding about her funeral or bills or something. But um, there's these, there's a bag uh, like a garbage bag found in the city and it's got body parts in it um and they put the body oh they find the body they do a autopsy thing they find out like the body parts don't match each other oh what oh one of those one of those scenarios yeah they don't match each other then <laughs> they a grab find, bag <laughs> then they find another bag and they they don't match each other and then they start putting the bodies together so the pieces start matching and they have four bodies and all four bodies wow. The only tie between them is they all once had a relationship with this one woman. Think of hmm. the killer's like motive here. As far as like, what if I met? What if I? What if I delayed the investigation, even though I'm leaving clues, yeah. just to like fuck with them, just to like have a little fun? <laughs> yeah. So the horror aspect is up in the gore, while it fits the police mm -hmm. procedural psycho psychological thriller, uh, like uh, Mike was talking about. Uh, but it's one that's very. It's got that it kind of you know that seven thing where it's like the police procedural horror type thing like a, sure uh, or something like that um where uh this guy you're get your first given background this guy so you don't know whether the, the morality of your lead character your lead cop is um he's given a person of interest kind of in a vein of um gosh what, uh, what is it? that film from last year that was really great um hmm. who's Morbius. in it it made um, my top 10 uh what's his name made it um ah oh, blanking on names I'm just oh no there's a decision to leave is that it yeah yeah From last it's, year yeah it's, it's yeah. got that aesthetic between the two leads where it's like something here something going on here uh with it um huh there's a spark yeah uh, lots of lots of uh, procedural investigation, lots of gr grungy uh, cinematography mm -hmm. coming out of it. Uh, this is considered part of like a there was like a Korean wave apparently that was uh, globally taking more interest in Korean pop culture um, with music and stuff at this time that started around here. And this is one of the films credited with giving interest in that. Um, it was a favorite at the time. I rewatched it. I still have my DVD, which is from Kino. Hey. hey! By the way, it was an old DVD from Kino, four by three, letterboxed. Not wow. cool on TVs now. Um, like, like, was it designed that way, or 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. a weird Kino DVD. <laughs> no, no. Um, but it, it's a it's a movie that builds. Um, it's got some misdirects. Um, it's got some gruesome moment. There's a moment where one of the body the bags is found in an elevator and it like opens and just blood splatters out, which is kind of like, like on the screen. Well, no, at the people in the elevator. Oh, at the people. Okay, because there's yeah. like, what's this bag doing in there? Some are found in the street. Um. But it's got a lot of aut- you know it's it it finds its uh, gruesomeness in like autopsy things mm-hmm. like just previously dead bodies. Um, the the leads are pretty good. There's one character that's kind of important that's not the greatest performance, but I guess it kind of works with what they're wanting of it for most of the film. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a pretty it's a pretty solid. T- it's a movie I used to be very high on, but now I'd say it's a it's a solid time. Mm. I think. Yeah, tell me something. I just did. <clears throat> that if I if I remember correctly, the there's a a reference in that film to uh John Millet's Ophelia. Yes, yes, yep. Is like one of my all-time favorite paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I just I just remember that really vividly from the film. Yes. It's uh it is it is or like if you're looking for something in that procedural range, this is one of the this is one of the better ones of the um police psychological horror thriller gory things you could find i would i would say right. yeah it's interesting that you put it in that context too because i don't know if you guys have seen shiri i have not 97 so it's this uh spy thriller it's an action film um about a north korean spy who infiltrates the uh like the police academy or something in in the south but it was the biggest sort of box office hit in korea at the time and then that was overtaken by some other things and so this, so that film, this film, and then probably the most explosive thing coming out of, of Korea into the, the U.S. was Old Boy in mm-hmm. 2003, like that sort of, I don't want to suggest that's the trifecta, but that's the kind of general context in which the sort of Korean wave, the new wave, Hanju as they call it, kind of mm. reached gotcha. escape orbit, it got escape orbit and kind of came over and it, the, so the fascination with Korean pop culture really is rooted in like violent genre cinema. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I did yeah. see Shiri actually. I looked. Yeah. I just looked at the five. Yeah. Like I don't have a solid memory, but I remember watching that, and I'll explain it's not why. Great, but I'll, well, yeah, I'll explain why when I talk about another one of my films, which I incidentally picked three of the most. I I didn't plan on this, but I was in my research found I I picked three of the most watched horror films in South Korean history. So didn't realize that. Just tell me something was not one of them. Okay. Well, Mike, let's get to you. What's your first one? Well, since we talked about this sort of blend between thriller and horror, um, I'm going to go with one. It's not a detective one, but it's uh, it's kind of in that vein. It's called Bedeviled mm, okay. mm-hmm. from 2010. Um, it belongs more in what's kind of unfortunately named the rape and revenge genre. Uh, just briefly, it's about a woman <clears throat> in Seoul who decides to return to this really isolated small island community where she grew up and she reconnects with a childhood friend who never managed to leave and is being subjected to daily abuse by the uh, the, the men on the island um and until she since this is a revenge thriller she eventually snaps mm-hmm. and then the rest of the film is the third act is uh, entirely a violent bloodbath um so like i don't want to on your grave it's a bit mm-hmm. I spit. Uh, I don't want to draw direct comparisons to I spit or other female centered revenge films because mm-hmm. I feel like that maybe cheapens this film's unique qualities and it also has a, a morbid sense of humor. But I mean, I think maybe I, mean, I spit reason- on your grave is famously hilarious. So, 
Well, I, <laughs> I, I would, if you liked, for instance, like Coralie Fargas, um Revenge from a few years back. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, the stories don't have much in common, but if if you want a comparative vibe, like this one might be for you. And there, there's a lot going on in this film. There's um, sort of tension between rural and urban and class differences and gender politics and all that stuff. So there's a lot to kind of kind of dig in and scrounge around. But apart from that, it's it, it really is simply maybe one of the two most misanthropic Korean films I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, there's another one that uh, was made around the same time. I don't want to say the title because I suspect someone's going to mention it tonight. Um, <laughs> so if, if it comes up, I'll I'll raise, raise my suspense, my folks. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 a it's a good film. It's about misogynistic violence, but never feels misogynistic, and, and this is subjective. But um, it never, based on my memory of it, I haven't rewatched it in a while, and the sort of conversations around gender and violence have changed so much in our culture. But my memory of it is that it never felt gratuitous because the violence was always rooted in sort of real emotions and and real mm -hmm. stuff that the main woman is going through and the consequences of being desensitized to abuse and violence all around us. That seems to have been the mm. theme, if I recall. And so, um, yeah, accepting that what this character goes through is maybe an allegory for the kind of belittling treatment women go through in society generally is, I think, how I read it anyway. And uh, yeah, recommend for, mm. for the non-speech. All right. Sounds good. Hey, let's go to you. I only really have one movie so i'm gonna go to you aaron what <laughs> let's get yours out of the way Abe. Let's do it. <laughs> i mean the only only real korean horror movie that i've seen in full is trend to busan which i'm sure that you guys will have at a later point in time um but yeah I, I i know of these movies you guys are speaking of so i i'm really kind of here as like a backseat driver uh listening Fair to enough. you guys like talk, talk about train to busan Sure. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it now if you guys want me to. Yeah, but, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, this is where this you is a movie shine. That that I think that it, it hits on all the points that we were talking about with uh with its with its like Koreanness, but it also has a a level of uh it has a pretty cool concept of just being a train that it's almost like this runaway train that can't stop, but they do have to go to different stops. Um, it's got a set of characters that you have to uh, that you have the ability to uh, empathize with, uh, whoever you might want to empathize with. But I think. In large part, what I was getting with with my my earlier um, intro into Korean South Korean movies, South Korean horror movies, is that it's got like that father daughter plot with the whole entire like, well, he's never really here, and then my bad my dad. wife, yeah, he's bad dad, but mm. he buys her like a Nintendo Switch that she already has, and then it's like, okay, well, this is very like K drama, and then it gets into all the horror stuff, and you're just like, well they just couldn't do that without that or they or they just really wanted to add it in one or the other and then there's also another part at the end of this movie where there there's like a, a you know a heart heart string moment and you're just like yeah i could see i could see a lot of other korean media like this like i probably watch more k-pop and i probably listen to more k-pop than i watch K korean horror drama movies uh but yeah I, I would certainly see like that part of it however the horror in this is actually really fun too because there's fast acting zombies like we've we've coined on the show. I think we're the only ones that coined that term, Aaron. Fast acting zombies. Yeah. And they there's there's also some offings that you're like, oh well bummer. You know, I was rooting for this person or these people to either make it or, you know, at least like uh do something uh, else or make it further down the line than, than we previously thought. So it's got some it's got I wouldn't say like it's it's the most horrific 
zombie movie I've ever seen, but it has some effectiveness to it of just the premise. And I think that there was even like the remake that was trying to be trying to be remade. Is it still being remade? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, Timo. Was it Timo? Um, yeah, from Indonesia. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm excited to see what the remake is going to be like because, like what we just mentioned, I'm curious to see if that is going to have some sort of like a, a Western tilt to it versus. Uh, I thought the uh, Bullet Train was the remake had already been done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, Timo Timo Tajanto. He's doing. He has the the remake. Yeah. Going and in. he's made some really really good it's stuff called the, the last train to new york which is the most generic title is that, possible is that really the title <laughs> yeah but okay, like the long island railroad got but, it but his sensibilities just make me confident that like something interesting will come out of that at least compared yeah, to yeah. just like I absolutely whatever agree. remake yeah. That, that so yeah be. train to busan you got a got a big mix of things in it from drama itself to some love storylines to some horrific elements and pretty good visuals so it's it's kind of like all over the place but it still is fairly effective for what it's doing, even if it is like a little bit cheap. <laughs> at least I thought when uh, at the end there, there's a there's a relentlessness to the way the zombies act that I really appreciate for that movie. Where sure. it, you know, not unlike I don't know World War Z, for example, as far as the way they swarm, which I find a, if you're gonna do fast zombies, I find that a, a fun way to present it yeah. as if they're just nonstop mm-hmm. ants coming at you. But it's like I was already in the bag with this movie when I was first watching it, just based on seeing like you know them just you know 50 of them at one time racing at you and then they sure. introduce um uh madang suk's character who's just like this fucking yeah. brawler <laughs> like fighting zombies with his bare hands and like well this movie just got even better like that's so yeah. it's it, yeah it, it has a lot of fun with like how to present this genre and yes it very much has the melodramatic stuff going on i mean there's like a literal school like field trip that's like on the train and like there's like two characters i believe are like in love and they have a whole their own little subplot yeah. in there as well. <laughs> like it's it Leather knows jacket it, and baseball bats. It's like a two hour <laughs> movie, right? So it crams a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, yeah. In that time. <laughs> so swarming zo- zombies are fun, but what's more fun is when they swarm in really tight quarters because they're yes. so uncoordinated and they're just like piling and collapsing on top of each other. Yeah. That's always really fun too. Yeah. And the train provides just a great and the way they because they can like be in a docile mode. So they know to like wring some suspense out of the zombies as well that don't involve them constantly coming at you. Cool. So that's uh that's my only contribution. Reminds me but I've seen clips from other movies. (laughs) Have you seen the sequel? I still have it. I own the 4K Ultra HD and I still have not popped it in. Aaron Aaron told me to watch that like two years ago when it came out. And I have not. Like it's not as good as Trade to Bassan. I like it. I like it goes for an escape from New York kind of vibe and I I dig that. Yeah. It 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 wants to be Fury Road. Yeah, it's yes, it's very much tried, but it doesn't have the budget or the the skill (laughs) to pull that off as nearly as effectively as you know one of the best action movies of all time but um, it certainly it aim it, it takes a different approach to the horror for sure but i i had fun with it. i had fun with that movie. yeah okay i also like the anim the anime prequel seal state or not anime it's just anime uh, would you call korean animation Soul, anime Soul station um uh, sure why not i don't know is there, is there a ruling on that Regardless, the animated sequel or prequel, Seal St- Soul Station, Seal. Yeah, um, I, I I think is also quite effective as far as uh, it's just brutal. It's brutal in, in animation and, and has fun sure. with uh, getting you a, yeah. giving you a, an idea of like, oh, this is what, and the fact that it's from the same director too. Like he worked in animation, then he made a live action movie. The, the, when we were talking earlier about major trends, uh, I thought about mentioning it then that I again I don't know if this is more representative of trends going on in Korean cinema versus trends going on in the things that make it over here with the perception of what American audiences will will latch on to. Mm-hmm. But 
Korea makes a lot of zombie themed stuff. Yeah. 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 Just, like, a lot of TV shows. Um, and it feels like it caught on later too. Like after the 2010s is when I feel like there's more yeah. Korean zombie based stuff. Yeah. If yeah. you watch Netflix right now, like there's just a, there's, there's probably like at least like three or four zombie Korean zombie shows. Yeah. Kingdom. Uh, That's uh, which, the one. Kingdom. Yeah. I, I've, I've been wanting to watch that too really, for a oh, while. And I've, I've heard a lot of great things about that. It's really superb. Um, I'll go my first pick yeah. here. Um, I feel like the rest of these are different from this first one, but I want to get it out of the way because I love this movie. It's the host. It's Bong Joon Ho's the host. I didn't um, pick that because I figured you would. Yeah, I can't not talk about a <laughs> you know a kaiju movie essentially in Korean form. Um, I, like I, th- I, this movie, which I saw in theaters when it originally came out, and I couldn't wait for mm-hmm. it. I saw the trailers for it like online back when it was you know you don't see trailers all the time online. Is like this this looks amazing. Um, and I'm such a big fan of what Bong Joon-ho does here. It's very much in his style where there's a central premise and it gets pushed to an extreme, but it finds a way to incorporate a lot of dark humor, a lot of satire, um, a, a an empathetic family. Yeah. Like it, it goes, it puts you as a viewer through the emotional ringer, given the stakes at play and how personal they are, despite the fact that they giant monster movie. Um, I, uh, the one of the best things about this movie i think is that you get the monster right away like the movie you know okay. you get 10 minutes or whatever to set up and then once the monster shows up it's broad daylight it is right out there and it's cg in 2006 and it looks great still mm-hmm. i i love that it's just they're presented to you so you make no mistake that this is what the monster is we're not waiting to the mm-hmm. end to show you mm-hmm. we're not hiding it in the shadows not that those are bad things to do in a movie but because Bong Joon-ho is like, we've done this before. It's like, why not, why not just show it to you out front? Um, that doesn't mean there's not more tricks to learn about this monster, which is like this mutated like frog thing that got because they port because Americans port a bunch of formaldehyde into the river, and so it, which becomes its Was own. it formaldehyde? They, yeah, it's, from, they specific, it's specifically wow. formaldehyde. It's like old okay. it's like old formaldehyde that Scott Wilson, I believe, um, is like responsible for pouring into the into the what is it? The is it the um what scene is it? The Han, the Han River. Yeah. Uh, and it, thanks, Scott. <laughs> so it's like they dump all these chemicals, and it like there's you know it's, there's all there's all kinds of satire and and commentary going on here as okay. far as what that yeah. entails and the solutions the government comes up with to stop it, including was it Agent Yellow? Is that what they is it? It's like some like solution they have. Uh, I mean, it's it's named very specifically, uh, but regardless, like the you have Song Kang Ho, who's you know one of just <laughs> the the best Korean actors out there, um, as the as the like the uh, kind of a dim witted father figure, and you have his whole family. They're trying to rescue a do- like his daughter, and just seeing the lengths that they have to go to in order to deal with this situation, it's just it's just phenomenal work. Like it, you know, coming from Bong Joon Ho, who of course now you know is a multiple Oscar winner and what have you, and certainly got has far more recognizability than you know back in two thousand six, at least in sure. you know Western mm-hmm. area, like you can just see him going to work here and doing all the things that he, he's, you know, done again and again in his other films, regardless of how different they are. Um, but as a monster movie, I think the monster's great. I, and I, and I love the, the way it sets up all the things around it. I think there's just some great, you know, terrific set pieces in this movie that, you know, play up the tension. Like it's, it's not a hardcore horror movie, even the things that the monster does, which if you talk about them they're brutal but witnessing them it's like yeah okay you eat stuff but i mean mm. it's still it, it's effective so no I'm, I'm a huge fan of the host and i i wanted to put that one out there for sure yeah yeah i remember that was one when um 
I, it came out when I lived out in Los Angeles and like that, that was a one that was buzzing around town big time and you had to go through the theater. And then it was one that I like called people back home. But like, you see the host, like, what's that? <laughs> like, well, the host, man, this is awesome. Oh yeah. So Randy, we don't have that out here in Indiana. Yeah. yeah it probably played at one of the little theaters, but it was like everywhere out there. I was, yeah. I, that was a, I, I remember seeing that and I'm like, okay, what I like I saw the trailer and stuff. I'm like, well, people are really raging about this movie. And I went and saw it. I was like, oh crap, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really, really good. Like I felt like it took kaiju stuff to another level for me. I wasn't like knee deep in kaiju, like a super kaiju fan and stuff, but mm-hmm. like I felt like that was like, oh, okay. This is yeah. this is doing some other stuff with it and um really working. See, I was in that yeah. that waiting period between like, okay, so we failed at American Godzilla in two in ninety eight and now yeah. we We've only had a few of the Millennium films. It's before like Cloverfield, so I'm like waiting. Yeah. You know, King Kong. It just happens. Like, okay, we got something. Like, I was they... just waiting for monster stuff to happen again. Oh, there was something recently. They found like a missing kaiju film from like the '60s from uh, yeah uh, uh, from South Korea that uh, someone was trying to get me to talk about on here. That oh, you should see that or whatever. But there's some that was something that was found recently. Let us know if you remember it. By I'll the way, Aaron, you mentioned yeah. something that uh, just thematically around um, how Bong Joon-ho movies specifically as well, but how there's a lot of like um, themes uh, about Korean society in these movies as well. And mm-hmm. this is true for all horror movies, but I do find it pretty relevant for a lot of South Korean movies, especially you know when you watch things like uh, not horror, but Parasite or things like Burning or what have you. There's like this weird like, uh, I don't know if you, uh, we'll speak on this later, Mike, but there's like this weird like, uh perverseness like with the culture of just like well you know in movies we can show the weird shit that we have going on around our minds even though our society is like fairly like you know tame like pretty okay when you associate with a high class yeah yeah well (laughs) yeah this happens like a lot of japanese horror as well um as we'll come to later it is uh space monster uh wong magwai okay i mean good title that's the 1967 uh, considered like a holy grail of missing uh, kaiju cinema. I enjoyed the host, but it's no D War <laughs> with Craig Robinson. <laughs> uh, I D War was the the bomb that I needed to wash over Reign of Fire, which I know people want to reclaim as being it was secretly great, and I still don't like Reign of Fire. But like D War is like <laughs> final. Here's the dragons versus helicopters movie that was I wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> I think I recall someone saying at the time, some film critic wrote that D War was. I think, quote, the most ambitious piece of shit he'd ever, he'd ever seen. <laughs> that seems accurate. That, that, that's, a fitting, that's a fitting phrase. I saw D-War in the theater. That was a you should just claim that, Mike. He's like, no, I said that. The most ambitious piece of shit. Oh, I, want, I wanted to know real quick that Byung-Hee Bong, who plays the, he's a he's in a lot of um, uh, Bong Joon-ho films. He's in Memories mm-hmm. of Murder and Okja right. and the host. He just passed away, I think, like a week and a half oh. ago or something, too. Uh, but he was a... He, he, he was a great bodily presence in the various Bong Joon-ho movies that he appeared mm-hmm. in, for sure. Uh, Brandon. Let's, yeah, uh, the host, oh, the, yeah. the host oh. had a... They were kind of teasing a sequel for a while, and there was like a little yeah. spectrum that came out. Nothing ever came of that, huh? No. Yeah, it like never mm-hmm. appeared. Because I, I do remember, I remember there was like a trailer, and it was like... So we're just, There was we're a not, trailer shot? Yeah, they're like, they, they, had, they had some kind of footage assembled to mm-hmm. like tell me that there was another one of these, but no, never, uh, never came around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now. It's like there's just no updates, current status unknown. <laughs> like, mm. So okay. Brandon, let's go to you. What's what's next? All right. Uh I'm gonna talk about phone from 2002. Foam? Phone. Okay, got it. two phones. You must be rich. Phone. Three? 
Phone. Yes, Phone. 2002, directed by uh, Byung-Ki An. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about an investigative reporter. Ji-Wan begins to receive a series of menacing calls to escape the terrifying and relentless clanging of the telephone. She changes her number and moves out. But the threatening campaign of terror continues unabated. Interesting. Um, so this is like South Korea. You remember, like they had this period, and a lot of them got remade in the United States with like the eye and the ring yes. and shutter. Yeah, this sounds like a J horror kind of premise. <laughs> this is this is theirs, and this one actually the rights got purchased to be remade and never happened. Um, just you know, uh, but this one. So there's this uh, investigative uh, reporter. And uh, she has like exposed uh, somebody uh, recently as um, there's like a pedophilia scandal. So Q mm-hmm. non people, you're going to love this. Um, and <laughs> and uh, so she has to change her number because there's lots of threats and stuff. And she gets this huh? phone and it's, it gets these weird calls and her daughter like picks it up and she like, is knocked out for like a day or so. And she wakes up, acts strange, like starts the like, daughter does. Yeah. starts hitting on her. Like, so it's straight getting up close, cozy with her dad knows how to play piano and stuff. It's like really weird. Hmm. Um, so it's basically this, this ghost tale of like possession through this phone, uh, ultimately because the phone number belonged to this girl who was like went missing, Ooh. but she was murdered. Um, mm-hmm. and looking deep in that and the phone kind of has this, I think, I believe the phone has this history of like people dying and that number, like being that person possesses the phone number until something happens. And then another person possesses cool premise. that happens. Yeah. And there's some, there's some wicked stuff here. Um, it's, it's okay. Um, not great. Um, kind of a, you know, that played out thing of, uh, forbidden romance of young woman and man, um, mm-hmm. happening, uh, that's it's a theme throughout here uh, with, you know, old ghost tales where like, you know, that the younger person from the dead tries to speak about uh, what wronged them in the first place and always ends up being some sort of affair that they had. Um, it really bizarre. Uh, I'm, this is nothing. Well, it has to do with the movie because it was there. But like the opening titles for this, the 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 studio logos this was a buena vista international mm. korea title and it had this really weird like look like somebody was making a parody of disney type logo oh. and then it went to toilet productions was the next thing and i'm like what's going on and this is a serious movie i'm like yeah it's a really wild way to set up what you're selling here but uh, and this was on Canopy, so it's not like I was watching some <laughs> pirated thing that threw yeah. two logos up. This was on Canopy or something. I think this was the one that had Well, Aaron that. and I also had Toilet Productions, but then it was famously taken, so we made out now with Aaron today. Gotcha. They flushed gotcha. it away from us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm involved in a toilet production almost daily. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... This was, was this a, a first-time watch for you? Uh, I I, I want to say, like, because this was one I like, I thought I saw this. And I watched it, and I'm not sure if I was mixing up another similarly premised one. So I, I like, I watched it to check out because I was like, did I watch that one back then? But I wanted to hit on because the the whole, you know, the thing that started over here with the ring and remaking was going on in like other countries being inspired by this kind of thing hmm. that was happening as well. Because you got Jew on the Grudge, which became popular. Right. You had the, like I said, Shutter Pulse, like all these ones that 
this there's this premise of like how through some technology does the ghost come to get you uh you know the vhs tape a phone uh camera sure something like eye surgery yeah. <laughs> you know like brandon without giving it away is the ending a happy ending or is it a, a sad ending i'm kind of curious what's your definition of happy she changes happy her is like yeah, she yeah. goes to T-Mobile, and she's um, like, oh, they bought me out from AT&T, and now I can make I five of my friends. I will say, if I were an aquatic animal I would or a creature, I would probably not pick up the phone where I'm at. Oh, so she got gets eaten okay, by a so walrus. Got it. It's got a, it's got a fun, it's got a fun, like, it continues ending. Got it. Don't pick it up, Ariel. Ariel? Don't pick it up. So. There's, yeah. a, there's a book you might enjoy. Um by someone I know it's a it's called haunted media it's by Jeffrey Sconce hmm, I heard the title it, I'm... yeah it looks entirely at this trope of how sort of ghostly spiritual supernatural things kind of converge with technology or technology mm-hmm. becomes they mm-hmm. express themselves and the thesis being that it's our anxiety over changing technology that right. kind of moves itself towards supernatural happenings and encounters with the, the you know the beyond sure okay Duke University Press wow congrats to your friend <laughs> I don't know if that was published before or after the call, but or after the phone. The call is a different, totally different movie. That's a Halle Berry. Yeah. You know, it's it's Korean, I think. But oh, yeah, no, there's a there's a Korean movie <laughs> called The Call that I was momentarily confused by because mm-hmm. the call is way more recent. But that movie is basically if the lake house was evil. Oh. If you want to check that out. There was oh. one missed call, right? That was a horror movie, right? One missed yes. call is on a Japanese film, I think. Yes, it is. Japanese, a, and then a... there's there's Cell, but that's a Stephen King one with um, Samuel Jackson. And of course, the Cell from Tarsum. Of course, mm, that's right. All right. Well, that was phone or foam. I I couldn't figure out which one it was. Uh, <laughs> Mike, what's your what's your next uh, pick? Um, I'm gonna go with an animated film. Yes. Uh, just to mix it up. Um. There's one that's from 2020 that I caught during the pandemic. Was it during the pandemic? Must have been called Beauty Water. Do you know this at all? I don't. I don't know this movie. It's animated. It's a a body horror. Okay. There's a the main character is an overweight, unattractive woman who uh, discovers this sort of underground beauty product that makes her instantly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Death becomes her now that I think about it. But um, she becomes obsessed with maintaining that beauty. So because her life completely turns around. Mm-hmm. Um, so she begins using the product to excess and bad things ensue. No, oh, no. It's very fun and it gets very weird at the end. And okay. so yeah. <clears throat> really good, really good makeup design. Well, it's animated. Oh, it's, it's animated. animated. <laughs> okay. So, so yes. it's gonna be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Um there there isn't actually that much that's that fantastical about it that it couldn't have worked just fine as a live action with sure. like really good makeup effects, but what I remember thinking is that one reason it works really well expressed through the medium of animation is because when she first becomes beautiful, she basically takes on the appearance of a Disney princess. Oh, okay. I was um, going to ask like what she looks it, like. It's kind of unmistakable, right? So this element of satire there that that that's the beauty standard that signifies yeah. her, her superficiality and of course, eventual destruction. And then you have to also pair that with sort of a satirical look on the fact that one of the most common cosmetic surgeries in korea is the the double eyelids head surgery yeah. to ostensibly make your eyes wider and make make you look more western and so right. it's kind of a satire on that specific phenomenon in uh, in asia as well yeah 
I was going to ask if they were going to make fun of, you know, again, just skin lightning creams like in all of Asia um, or but then you mentioned that that she looks like a Disney princess. So I was like, oh, that's actually another avenue that you can go down in terms of pointing uh, pointing fingers and making points. I don't remember the film well enough to know if the when she emerges from the treatment and she's gorgeous and everything and glistening, whether the her skin tone is like a, a shade lighter as well. That'd be interesting to go and take a look at. Mm. And it's directed by a Chong Kyung Hoon, um, who, whose work I'm not that familiar with, but I, I remember really enjoying that film. If you want to check it out, yeah. where did you find, where'd you watch this or how'd you find this? Uh, this was at the time, so it might I, I don't remember. It might have been a screener. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't know that one, so oh, good to really good nice. to learn. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is a film I just recently watched for the first time. It is Whispering Corridors. Whispering Corridors. Um, you which know is five sequels, right? I'm very. I was about to say this is the first part. <laughs> the first part of a of a six film saga. Um, it's direct, it's. <laughs> on cue that's like... come on Got him. come on Got yeah, him. get it together Aaron come on okay he needs to take over <laughs> it's hey a, do you want to talk a... about trained but Sonic it, again yeah, in my, in my it's, eyes it's... like Sonic has just appeared on your screen again with thumbs up and everything <laughs> <laughs> Whispering Corridor is the first one's directed by Park Hee Hyung Mm-hmm. Um, it is very much what Abe just typified a lot of Korean horror as it is. It is set in a board, like in a school. All of the films, like they use a school as the basis, and they're like, "It's this is Brandon, I think." No, but I, but, but I was going to get to oh. it. As far as it's very much like a K drama type situation uh, that that happens to have a ghost story involved in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, like, yeah, all the films are set like within within the school. It like none of the like none of the stories connect. So it's if anything, it's like an anthology horror series okay. that just happens to have like this all girl school is like the basis of it. But the first one, which was like a big kickoff film, I think you know for like specifically Korean horror as opposed to like the detective drama, revenge throwers, and what have you. This one's you know it's a ghost story. Um, it's from '98, so you know it's from this period where Korean horror was like, okay, we're gonna do this now. Um. The the film itself is like it's fine. I I enjoyed it based on the melodramatic aspect of it because it is entertaining to watch that play out. Um, it if if I had to guess because it's like the late nineties and South Korea, there very much appears to be like a queer love story at the center of this, but they can't mm. really say that specifically. Mm, uh, so okay. it's just more of like implied based on the relationship between like this dead girl and this other girl who's like what? The top of her class. Well, she's a ghost. I mean, so. Oh, <laughs> so like, oh, oh got it. Okay. All right. Um, I, I didn't put that part together yet. But like it, it it's funny because like you, you guys mentioning like the whole K, like the way K drama like factors into these films and the way you would see that play out. Like you can see it in the filmmaking, right? It, like it looks like a okay. soap opera that happens to, you know, you know it happens to be set mm-hmm. in Korea. It It's not too dissimilar to me from when you watch like 80 slasher films where if you're not dealing with the horror, you're dealing with like, teen melodrama essentially for the most part of sure. you know various films sure, sure. yeah, like, that's fair for like the you know when it comes to you know the, the more stereotypical versions of that where it's you know whatever summer camp movie or what have you it's you sure. know these relationship between these random boys and girls or what have you that you know sets up some sense of stakes or whatnot before you get to the actual like people are murdering each other kind of thing that's what this feels like where it's like we stop every 20 minutes or so because okay ghost time but between that it's <laughs> like all right it's just these like girls trying to figure out 
like what's going on what's that let's what are what are our relationship to one another what have you and so it makes for like an entertaining film as far as this is just cheesy and then okay. like the ghost stuff itself like it's gory ish like it's not you know it's not going overboard or anything like that it's just more of like yeah there's ghosts and like it does bad things to some of the people that some of them deserve it there's like a really mean mm. male male teacher <laughs> that gets like punished severely um i i don't know if i'm gonna have time to watch the other five films in this series um which appropriately are called memento mori wishing stairs voice a blood pledge and the humming uh which <laughs> is 2021 so the series is very recent kept going <laughs> but yeah. um but uh, as, as far as uh, kicking off the, the, the Whispering Corridor saga, uh, I enjoyed this first one well enough. But um, okay. in the realm, how did like, you find uh, this? It's on Canopy. Uh, most canopy. of them are, I believe. Great. Um, yeah, Canopy great. is such Canopy's a... Canopy's a great place for Corridor. It's a great resource. Yeah, yeah. Support, for that matter. support your public yeah. library. Yeah. No, it's it, 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 as we preach always, Canopy's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. All you need is a library card. Brandon, what's next? All right, I'm going to go back to that uh, genre of the procedural horror. And this was a bucket list one of mine mm-hmm. that I was like, I saw this premise and I was like, back in like the OOs, I was like, I see this movie, guys. I could not find it. There was no bootlegs. No, like I went to, I went looking for it. What's the, what's a video store that's by the new art? Cinephile? Is it Cinephile? Yeah, I went there and they couldn't get it for me. Like they hmm. tried and like, um, yeah, it was just tough to get. Uh, you still, I don't think it ever came out on DVD. Oh, it might have came out on DVD here like quickly, but after I was, I'd it's, forgotten it's of it. It's great that you keep then, recommending films that nobody can see. You can see that. So I found, I, I went down a rabbit hole, found it on YouTube under the title Bystanders, but it was uh, titled Diary of June from 2005, okay. um, directed by Kyung Soo Im. Uh, Basically, so this movie, okay, so uh, on their chase of a serial killer, two cops find a diary in which all committed murders and many more to come are predicted, which they find them in their stomachs. These get these little capsules and they pull mm, out these little things and they'll read about the next murder uh, in there. Uh, I was tra- up. Huh? Nice to get a heads yeah, up. Yeah, it's nice to, you know, it's gonna, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this dude. And they keep, they keep screwing up. They keep camping. Huh. They tell them, but they keep screwing up. So you gotta get new kids on the case. Yeah, I was hyped for this movie. Um, back then, I wanted to see it so bad because I like this premise. And then, uh, I, I was drawn to it, be- and the Shiri film that I you mentioned earlier, because I was a big fan of, I was a fan of Lost, and there's a star mm-hmm. in Lost named Yeonjun Kim, mm. and I was like, where does she come from? Where's she? And they said, oh, she's a big South Korean star, and I looked up some of these movies. And this was one I really wanted to see, but I, I see connected the poster, my hands. Yeah, there on. she is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I wanted to check this out. So this is another one. So this has this student type stuff. It's heavily revolves around a high school because the people being murdered are high school students. And you've got this uh, interesting detective relationship that's pretty. Um, uh, it's this man and woman detective, and they're pretty flimsy and goofy with it. Uh, and it's sort of offsets some of the tone a bit for this um it's kind of like disappointed in the movie um hmm. i liked the idea i feel like if it had a better director it might have come across more effectively and it hit a point where it revealed it's it played it, it revealed his hand kind of incidentally and then kind of full a bit way too early and then played it off a little too long 
but like yeah it starts out like perfect like it's this it looks like it's gonna be some sort of slasher type thing and it never kind of get gets back to that it's got autopsy scenes are decent but this is like a little bit way bit more lit like i felt like I, I wanted to talk about this movie but then i'm like this is leaning into a lot of not horror stuff so it did have elements it was more had, had elements like tell me something way more horror than what this would yeah, be that's um, body parts but, got it yeah but this sold itself as that to me and uh felt like it was going to be at times with this but ultimately i think it's just got a problem with tone uh mm. this director didn't do a whole lot either um mm-hmm. after this i think directs like one or two more things and one and one of them is like a television episode and and before 2010 was just like uh, there's nothing credited so i don't know mm. where, what's going on or whatever but uh yunjin kim's pretty good in it um i, I like i like the leads and I like the relationship, but it didn't fit with what I was watching or what it seemed like they wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's got some interesting stuff. It starts out hot. It's got a good premise. It's got some cool um, trying to solve it clues things, but mm-hmm. ultimately just didn't didn't come together very well for me. Um, and I just think it, I a better director probably would have made this thing tick a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not only can nobody see it, but it's bad. Um, go on, but... go on, if you go on YouTube, you go on YouTube. Is it there? The whole it, the whole movie? The whole movie's there on YouTube okay. with subtitles, like burned in subtitles and everything. So great, yeah, great. Okay, uh, Mike, let's go back to you. A uh, quick note: uh, I just realized that when I talked about the devil, I've neglected to mention the director's name. That movie is directed by Jung Chil Su. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, yeah, and then for this next one, oh, um, I should be right. I'm supposed to write all these down too, so I can post them later. We'll get them. Yeah, we'll listen the, back. I'll, I'll get yeah. them after the show. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so I I felt odd, you know, not having a film that exists sort of outside the the last thirty years and sort of post new wave of uh, Korean cinema. So I want to go back a bit uh, and pick a film from the uh, '60s. Okay. So, so the late 50s, early 60s is generally considered to be kind of a golden age for Korean cinema mm-hmm. um, before like really rigid censorship uh, kicks in, sort of nothing that isn't sort of formally approved by the government and is seen as in support of that ideology is not really being produced for for a long time. This actually, actually, come to think of it, this ties into um, Whispering Corridors because mm. the big sort of animating factor in the 90s is that, you know, so so democratization kind of kicks in in the 80s and filmmaking kind of wrestles away from government control and it starts to become controlled by what are called chaebol which are um that's their word for conglomerates basically Mm -hmm. so that's why like cinema at the time starts becoming really commercially oriented Mm. as opposed to state controlled and so that's when you start to get blockbuster filmmaking in the form of shiri and um uh, shinmido and and films like that sort of epic action films but also whispering corridors is, is to my understanding, considered kind of a significant film, not for any aesthetic ground it's breaking, but because yeah. it's a franchise, mm-hmm. right? It's a film with like commercial uh, aspirations clearly built in and they keep repeating and, and returning to it, right? So it's entirely kind of a product of a new commercial impetus in Korean cinema that was um, not quite plugged into globalization uh, up until the 90s. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, end of parentheses. So... <laughs> I've picked a 1964 film. It's directed by Lee Mang-hee. It's called The Devil's Stairway. I don't know if you've heard of it, but... I have, uh, yeah, but I haven't seen it. 
Yeah, it's 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 cool. It's a supernatural horror slash noir. Um, it's about a doctor who's having an affair with one of his nurses, um, but then he finds out that his boss's daughter is uh so his boss is like the director of the hospital and his daughter is starting to take a romantic interest in him and because she's the the boss's daughter he thinks this is a much better career move if i marry this girl and so he decides to um kill his mistress in order to marry the girl who's going to just be better for his his career for you know materialistic purposes um and <laughs> i, I so read kills... this premise and i was like i wish i could find this movie because this sounds pretty good <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm, I'm afraid yeah. I don't know where to find it. I remember seeing it in like film school, so a long time ago. But so so he kills this mistress, and he's subsequently haunted by visions of her, and that's where the horror element comes in. It's a really atmospheric and quiet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say it's quiet in the sense that there's very long stretches without dialogue, but it's also almost a wall-to-wall creepy score. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think it, was, it seems like like a kind of like a Polanski kind of movie, like a '60s Polanski actually, film. No, actually, the the reason one of the reasons I really remember loving it is because it's a film that most clearly borrows from one of my favorite directors of all time, which is Henri George Clouseau. Okay. Hmm. Particularly Diabolique. Um, there hmm. are some very direct references to Diabolique in in this film, and so so if you know that film and like it, then you're bound to get, you know, some mileage out of this one. I think. Yeah, for sure. I could. Is my mind goes like repulsion, which feels like riffing on that to a degree. Um, you didn't want to break up with her via text message, and just, you know, I got oh. other, I got other things going on here. Well, it's passenger <laughs> pigeons, so you know, phones because it's sixties. Still... <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, sixties. My bad. And yeah, so Brady. That, yeah, go. I found it. Um, it's also under the title uh, "The Evil Stairs." Yeah. So, and it's I'm available it on archive.org. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can check that. I, out. I, I looked out. I'm like, I want to see this. Because in my in my research, that's one of the ones <laughs> that I came across. I'm like, I and I tried like I, for all the, for all the films we're doing for all these different countries, I like I wrote mm-hmm. down the like a master list of films that I'm like mm-hmm. either I've seen that I might talk about or that I want to see, and I wrote and mm-hmm. then I like searched each of them on Just Watch to find out where I could watch each of these. Films. Right. So that's the that's yeah. one of the ones where I just couldn't find it. Mike, <laughs> Mike, where did you see this one? I saw this one first when I was in film school. Film school, okay. Long long time ago. So yeah no idea when uh, or what its availability on vhs right. uh no this is a screening in in, oh, a, cool. in a course i took wow okay um it's it, i don't know if you've seen the housemaid i haven't that's one that's and that's one i got annoyed with because i just i had just seen tuki buki i'll say why this matters which is part of martin scorsese's world cinema project in the volume one mm. housemaid is also in that set and when i watched tuki buki i went to amazon was like i want to buy that world cinema set and then apparently i, I guess i forgot <laughs> forgot that i didn't buy it because i'm like okay now i can watch the housemaid because that's what that said too and i didn't have it to watch so i didn't get to watch the housemaid in time for this podcast i really wanted to well which housemaid is it the original 60. yeah the 1961 yeah, so, so that's considered one of the greatest yeah career films of all time yeah and it's it's in that zone right when they're just producing really great stuff but so it's this erotic drama and it was remade mm-hmm. in 2010 i believe yes. yeah um there are images in the 2010 remake particularly of like the staircase in the upper class home that I'm not entirely sure, but seemed to me suspiciously to be an homage of devil staircase, evil staircase, whatever, whatever it's called these days. Well, I, I, the devil staircase is a way cooler title than the evil staircase. It's evil stairs. The evil staircase does hmm. sound, that sounds dweeby. I agree. The evil stairs though. <laughs> eh, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you do an evil stair. Um, well, cool. I, I do plan to, 
I, I just want I didn't have a chance to get to both the sixties Korean horror, which I wanted to, but it's a lot. Yeah. Babe, do you want to talk about Train Busan again? Yeah, I'd love to tell you about Train Busan. Um, this is my third pick. Um, I think that there's a really a lot of good thematic things going on here in terms of class warfare that has to come together. You know, right. they're in different cars. Mm-hmm. But Aaron, go ahead, keep keep going. My next pick. So my list, by the way, I tried to assemble it based on um, just different subgenres of horror within Korea. So like I, I like had, this. Yeah, I had a monster movie. I had a ghost story, and I'm going to get to the branded zone here, which is the you know police procedural type of thing. Sure. Um, I'm curious, Mike, if this is the other film that you thought we were going to mention as far as the misogyny is concerned. It's I Saw the Devil. Mm. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, it's uh, Kim Ji Woon's uh, fucking brutal um, thriller. Um, like, this is the one that I think leans the furthest from horror as far as my list is concerned. But I mean, it's like it's horror as far as we are dealing with like a, a, a Choi Min Sik character who is like awful. Um, he's this horrible serial killer, um, who like just takes pleasure in the amount of like carnage he's causing, and we get that right away in the opening sequence, which involves a, which involves a the character Lee Byung Hun, his wife in the movie. Right. Terrible things happen to her at the at the cost of this person. Um, but what I really like about this movie, um, is that the our protagonist is not a passive character. He's not one that's like watching Choi Min sick and being like, Oh, this guy, I have to catch him. But how he (laughs) fucking finds him like right away. And it becomes (laughs) this like, not even a cat and mouse game. It's just more, it's more of like itchy and scratchy where itchy, where he's always itchy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's always, he's always, (laughs) always, he he purposely catches this man, tortures him, then lets him keep going so he can catch him again and keep torturing him. And that's, I find that to be such a unique way to handle a movie like this in the realm of all these kind of serial killer thrillers that have, you know, all these crazy guys with their own modus operandi and what have you, where it's all very specific, even like watching seven again, which I did recently. It's like, there's such a like fastidiousness to like the way this guy functions where it's like this there's no world where this actually exists in reality this movie doesn't right. place basically in reality either but i love that it's just kind of a way to turn it on its head where it's like we're not just watching this person be nothing but unstoppable and horrible the whole time even though he still does horrible things throughout this movie we have a guy who's like he's a, he's like a what like a secret service agent for korea yeah so he fucking fights this guy in ways that are so cool like so they're so shot they're so well shot because kim ji-woon is a very stylish director uh he, he very much likes to put the camera right there and show you the terrible things happening but also do it in, in creative ways given his use of cinematography um and it's a very colorful. I forgot I watched it again for the first time since 2010 when it came out. It's like this is a colorful movie. I love how like just big it is and has this sense of scale to it, which is very much like Kim Ji Woon's films. If you look at like the good, the bad, and the weird, or even like The Last Stand, which I really, which Babe and I we both enjoy that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I yeah. As far as the massaging of it all, like as you alluded to, like. It's a very mean film and specifically mean yeah. to women. Um, it's not going to win any points as far as like what it's trying to say necessarily at the cost of what. But in terms of like for a movie that's like it's like two, it's like almost two and a half hours. It provides a lot of entertainment value as far as how it's able to turn things around, subvert a lot of expectations and put two really good actors, really, really screen charismatic actors up against each other in exciting ways. So just to clarify, so mis- misogyny, yeah, that there's definitely that. But what I said earlier was misanthropy. Okay, uh, well, that, that also fits. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I mean, I mean, as we established on a recent episode on Talk to Me, uh-huh. no amount of brutal is too brutal for this guy, um, <laughs> particularly involving children and then you know and on all the rest. So, um, the misanthropy and just the complete wall to wall, just depravity mm-hmm. of uh, I saw the devil really uh, scratches all my all my itches. There's also yeah. I just have to point this out. Um, if you know Children of Men, there's the famous like long shots in that movie. There's one that takes place in a in a car that kind of three sixties through the car for a yeah. lengthy period of time. There is a taxi cab sequence, and I saw the devil. That is insane to think about, mm. like how they're able to manage it with all the kind of fight choreography taking place between three people in a small a small cab, uh, and the way the camera sits inside the cab is able to kind of keep moving around and capture everything. Uh, like that's just the kind of stuff that Kim Ji Woo is like really good at. In the midst of this, you know, horrible serial killer movie that's taking place. More cab fights, Aaron Newers. Yes, exactly. More cab fights. So yeah, I saw the devil, which is you yeah. can find that places. I have a DVD. It's everywhere. I think it's on yeah. Prime right now. Yeah, it is yeah, it is on Prime right mm-hmm. now, actually. Prime has a lot, of, yeah. Prime has a lot of these movies too. I, I could be wrong, and this could be like 10 years outdated, but I remember at the time that film was available in an R-rated version, and then the... Yeah, the Blu-ray is an unrated, the unrated cut. Oh, yeah, the international cut. Obviously, you should be seeking the unrated if you're... Okay. If you're... Yeah. Brandon, what's next? You have led me a perfect segue, because I'm going to talk about 2003's A Tale of Two Sisters All right. Kim Ji-Woon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the uh, this is probably the best directed film I'm bringing to the table tonight, uh, as we've talked about his style and stuff, uh, which is a huge reason why this movie is um, so entertaining. Um, but it's about, uh, let's see, after spending time in a mental hospital, a girl is reunited with her sister and returns home, only to see some truly strange events start to happen. So this was a big... This is a big, big title uh, around my uh, Korean, South Korean uh, phase here of of loving. Um, had a, a pretty killer poster. Um, One of the big cart just, releases. Like, focus, yeah, big photographs, things. Um, yeah, and like I said, that you can you can straight up tell this guy's gonna go on to big things, like you mentioned. I saw the devil, good, the bad, and weird last night. He also had come from, and I want to bring this up. Uh, two. Did any of you ever see the Three Extremes series? There was not. these. It was these anthology horror uh films. That's because uh, uh, Park Chan Wook's Mike, on one of them too, right? Yeah, he yeah, directed, Mike is yeah. nodding. Yeah, Mika is the other one. Um, mm-hmm. that's one I I didn't have time to get to. It's on Tubi right now. So he he directed oh. Three Extremes too. Was did Three Extremes have one called um uh uh, uh oh. So there's dumplings. Dumplings. And- that was the one that that's oh, okay. that one made yeah. me go, oh man. Um about a woman uh chasing after youth with a very special yeah. recipe for dumplings. Um, the sound design on that crunch crunch. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> I had to I did so I used to do DVD and Blu-ray QC and I had to do that one. Uh you know, it was like uh, audio on that one. Yeah, which five stars. Stuff. Yeah, five <laughs> stars. Oh my gosh. Um but no, Tales Two Sisters is this one that sort of like plays with psychological um horror tropes where you're like okay I'm gonna, i know what's going on here and you don't tech typically they um he plays with it. it it's it's psychological terror it's haunted house ghost stuff and like uncomfortable family drama all hmm. at the same time in this movie um and it, it starts with the mental hospital scene you're like, oh, I know where this is going, and you kind of, you kind of have this feeling that it's just like, oh, d- where you're like, 
I bet the sister doesn't really exist the whole time type type deal. That's what you're yeah, that's the thing they're hanging in front of your face. Um but it's a trip to find out what's really how they really spin this whole thing. Um there's this stepmother that they have that has this really awkward relationship with the two sisters. Um the father's kind of kind of weird. They have an aunt and uncle that come over and some crazy shit happens. Um <laughs> with that uh, but there, meanwhile, these two girls living in this big house, you know, after being in a mental hospital, trying to reconnect discomfort and it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's just shot in a cool area where it's not like a typical looking haunted house. It looks old and stuff, but, um, there's visions of things that happen. Um, there's some severe beatings that you could see going on. The stepmother treats them really oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you find out what's actually going on you're like oh crap that's that's a different version of how to do x Hmm. type of thing so trying to keep it as spoiler free as i can here because it's a definite recommend um you're peaking my need to read all about it on wikipedia and spoil it there available on canopy yeah well it's very easy to watch yeah Yeah. Um, very easy but it's it's or you can watch the remake you can watch what the uninvited i believe is the Uh, with um, uh what those two people (laughs) Yeah, I, I, Browning, I think Browning and um, Ariel Keel. Yeah, I fell asleep. You know, it's funny. I recently fell asleep watching something on streaming, and that was what popped up after, and I woke up in the middle of was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, the, the cinematography here, great set yeah. design, costuming, state the staging, uh, uh, choreography of everything that happens here. They've got some just really neat uh, just blocking and with the shots and stuff that I. It's a just a visual splendor to look at uh, with this one on a base level. So, I mean, even if you're not taking the story, the visual storytelling should be delivering at a high level here. Right? I had just watched it for the first time this past week because it's just one I just, for whatever reason, never got mm-hmm. to. And watching it, I guess, kept thinking, I so would have loved to have watched this in the early 2000s when every movie was like, I know Identity is not the first one to do what it does, but it certainly yeah, felt sure. like horror movies after Identity came out were all kind of riding on the same idea, like hide yeah, and yeah. seek, for example. High uh, uh, tension. High tension. So I kept thinking, I wish I had seen this during that run to like refresh my mind as far as how to play this kind of story out, because mm-hmm. I do think it's quite good. Uh, and I didn't expect it not to be because I really like Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of you that you're saying about this movie. Yeah. And now I can't remember if I've ever seen a bittersweet life, his other like big movie. Like, no, I haven't seen that one. I've seen Good Bad and Weird, Last Stand. I saw that, like the, the essentials. I've seen and Good Bad and Weird a lot because that movie rules. But yeah. <laughs> like I've seen too many. Like my mind is not remembering I've seen a bittersweet life. So I'll probably watch that again just to like round out my Kim Ji Woonness that I've been going on lately. Mike, what's next? Got two more. Right. So I'll confess I, I came to the table with three titles. And so more than I, me. Well, I'll 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 wing it. I'll come up with two more based on like areas we haven't covered yet. Sure. And so one that comes to mind, we haven't talked about vampires. So I'm gonna go with thirst. All right. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have alternates because that was one of mine. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah. I, I I had thought about talking about that one, yeah. But which 2009, right? Um yes. So that's a that's a Pak Chang Wook. Um it's about a priest who is uh Song Kang Ho, um who I remember correctly he signs up for like an experimental medical procedure right to help find a vaccine yeah 
Well, there's some kind of like epidemic going around. Yes, right? he's <laughs> trying to he's trying to do a good thing, being like, "Yeah, I'll do this," and it does not mm-hmm. work. <laughs> I'll be a test subject to help you develop a vaccine, and it inadvertently turns him into a vampire. Right? Um, so it's a horror film, but but like we keep talking about, it's also very much part melodrama, part sure. story slash tragic romance. Um, dark so comedy like, for sure <laughs> yeah I, mean, I guess that's a lot like decision to leave now that i think about it same direction. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, yeah it's a very park yeah. Look. It's, yeah. It, yeah there's a lot of yeah. decision to leave in it for sure um i mean i think my memory of it is that it works really it, it works best as a character study because he develops a love interest and and she becomes a vampire and it becomes kind of a battle of wills between what i think is sort of a dynamic that generally works in competent vampire films which is one character who is just drunk with power and embraces yeah. the need to kill and always I, I want to kill because I always want to feel this good versus the one who retains a sense of humanity and, and wants to kill people only when necessary. Well, because he's a priest and he feels guilt for the fact that he has to he's sure. succumbing to his own hunger. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he sired somebody that is off the it's like worse than Kirsten Dunst an interview with the vampire. <laughs> she's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that that dynamic of sort of hedonism versus conservatism or however you want to phrase it, like self-indulgence versus restraint um mm-hmm. like is very much present in interview with the vampire as well right so it's, it is a familiar convention but uh still an effective one i think and yeah all the way to the end the ending is without spoiling anything for your listeners it's tragic and, and heartfelt and mm. melodramatic in all those k ways but um yeah good movie <laughs> I, I really like this is why I was on my list too. I, I really like and Song Kang Ho once again is just great in this movie. <laughs> so um I I really like the the way it plays into the tragedy of like everything that takes place as far as where we end up going with these characters. And like you said, I think the ending does have like its sense of melodrama. I just if it's approaching that, you know, with vampires in mind, I really like what it angles for and like how it is able to accomplish it. I think it's a really you know what it's it, it, i i put it i rank it high in the realm of vampire films i really like that movie yeah for sure um what's the next one that i have here oh of course <laughs> all right uh so now we get to action horror mm. um and so i watched this is a cheat because it's two movies but i needed to because the first one is the witch part one colon subversion and of course oh. the sequel which is why i needed to watch part one because the sequel is called the witch part two colon the other one which I love. <laughs> <laughs> like, Not what I was thinking it was going to be. I saw that. And I was like, well, I have to watch both of these now. <laughs> like, this is amazing. The, the, other, uh, the one. other one. Um, it's funny, right? You know this. I just watched The Fury for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian De Palma's uh, X-Men film from the 80s. And, um, <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's nuts, as you'd expect. A Brian De Palma takes on telekinesis except instead of a high school it's about uh kirk douglas being an action guy um and oh. this film very the, the the subversion really reminded me of that because it is essentially yes it is about this 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 young girl who lost her memory um gets adopted by a family and turns out oh she has telekinesis and there's like government people after her um oh. the way it plays that story out it very much is angling on the action sci-fi side but because it's so gory um it leans into the horror as well there's a lot of body horror that comes Mm -hmm. with telekinesis Mm -hmm. um and it's very stylish and fun um i i I quite i quite enjoyed it there's like an extended finale where you have other people that also have like telekinesis and then they have like 
serums that make them even stronger. It's nuts. It's a nuts movie. Um, and so I, yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun with, with, with the witch part one. And then naturally I was like, well, now let's watch the other one, which is the first, which is like almost two hours. It's like two hours and change. The second one is 137 minutes. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Wow. Let's, uh, watch, yeah. let's watch the witch part two, the other one. And it's like it's packed terrifier with... two of the witch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's packed. <laughs> it's packed with more story and more characters. It like takes a new direction as far as like, we're following a different person. It is called the other one after all. Um, and it has even more like, it's it's even more of an action film. Like it's less horror than the first one is. Um, a lot of world, a lot of world building. A lot of it does have a lot of world building, mm-hmm. and then it has an end credit sequence to set up the third witch, whatever that's going to be. It hasn't come out yet. This the witch part two came out like last year. The witch oh, okay. part one came out uh, in twenty eighteen, I believe. Uh, let me find these directors' names while I'm at it. Um, yeah, it's a uh, Park Hoon Jung, and is it the same on the second one? It is. Uh, so he's making his franchise, <laughs> but um. These are yeah these these are these are they're like they're easily available. I think the first one's like on most things, and the second one, okay. or the first yeah, the second the second one's on Shutter. They're on they're both on Shutter. I think one's on Peacock also. Um, but yeah, I like it. Did I learn a lot about South Korean horror watching this movie? Not necessarily, but it though because it's so modern, I do think it's leaning in more to the not necessarily catering to the West, but catering to kind of mainstream sensibilities at this point where it's an IP that's focused on everything. It has action, it has horror, it has sci-fi, it has drama. Like it's doing much of the same thing that we're doing as far as killing cinema in America, where we make it apply to everything and make it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, although it does still lean into the gruesome side of things. I don't think everyone in mm-hmm. Korea is like flocking to the witch being like, yeah, I can't get it. Um, but it is a franchise. Is they sound like? I, but, but what do I know? It's a franchise. So I mean, they got more <laughs> coming. So. Well, I feel like if anything, it speaks to the current obsession with like super, super powered people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? it's, it's a, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's an all quadrant it, thing. It, yeah, it's it's a lot of just people being smashed through walls. Both yeah. films. Yes, it is. Walls. It's a lot of wall smashing. <laughs> they had to do a bunch of ADR. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> My face. Kablamo! Oh, sorry. Um, yes, <laughs> all right, uh, Brandon, what's your last pick here? All right, I'm about to jump all the way up to 2018. Uh-oh. For, uh oh. Or Gonjiem Haunted Asylum. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I watched this one okay. too. Directed <laughs> by Bumshik Young. Uh, it is a one done in the style of found footage. Yes. Uh, there's a there's a a horror web show. That wants to investigate these two these kids that put up a YouTube video uh, looking at this asylum um, and disappeared. So they're like we're gonna go check it out. So they have their crew, and then they bring a, like three intern type people with them that they've just met, and then they go exploring this asylum, which is actually a real life psychiatric hospital that has that name, um, which apparently caused some lawsuits. Which along with phone. And uh, A Tale of Two Sisters is one of the most seen horror films in South Korea. Yeah, like hit. in his history. Yeah. 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 Uh, it topped Ready Player One. They opened against each other at the box office in South Korea. People said, nah, Steven, I'm going for the found footage horror movie here. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, this, this one came like ranked very highly, like rated very highly around places. Um, that I saw after the fact, like I kind of just was like looking for something in some sort of like trendy mold somewhere. And I found this and I watched it. And I was like, I didn't really do anything 
too different than what I've seen before. Sure. Very, uh, I didn't get any like South Korean style aside from, um, the kids hanging out and like how what they what they would do, because uh, there's a sure. there's a lot of hanging out. I like that that they they gave us. Um, all these characters, um, sort of meeting, hanging out, planning out the project before, um, jumping into the asylum. Um, it's got a kind of a pretty cool ending. I, I did like that, and it's got a kind of a, a nice little like, darkly comedic gag to end the film. But overall, it was just a kind of to me, it was like an also ran with the found footage, uh, type of movies, um. Uh, if anything, I was hoping it would, if there was, if possible, if there could have been some sort of like more uh, artistic cultural injection into this when it just felt the same as what we typically get. I agree, because I do think it sets up a premise that, honestly, there's a movie last year, uh, Deadstream, that I do think like it mm-hmm. capitalizes on that idea more as far as like there's people that is a guy that's live streaming something and there's a lot of inherent humor that comes with it while still being this kind of freak out found footage movie. Mm-hmm. And I wish this one did more with like what I initially thought it was going to be where it has this kind of, you know, a bunch of kids that like, you know, they're like, they're, they're exploring stuff and they're going to have fun doing it. And it's going to be like, instead it kind of leans more. It takes it. It becomes very serious. I think for the yeah. most part. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has good, it has some good like horror set pieces in it as far as some individual right, yeah, sequences, yeah, yeah. but I do think there's a way to make that movie more fun than it turned out to be, at least as mm. far as we're concerned, it seems. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there's, there's, maybe there's too many characters going in. There's a lot this, to keep up with for sure. Um, that that kind of bogs it down, and it's it's a short movie, but it it like oh, okay. once they get to the the house, it it feels long, um. And it's not like stuff isn't happening, but I don't think meaningful stuff is happening frequently enough. Maybe hmm. that would be, that makes sense with that. But how many of your movies did you like on this list, Brandon? <laughs> three out of five. No, I, no, I, I enjoy. Yeah, so I'd say three out of five. Yeah. I, I like five. that you have these movies that you you know you've got. Well, some I, I, as well, I went. You know, I didn't have time to like do a ton of movies here. Um, well, you're busy and, with something. Yeah, and some <laughs> some of them I was uh, as you churn out like four reviews in a day to deal with your you know your He's two got children. Kids, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I um I revisited uh, like I said one you know I tell me something if you'd have talked to me in like 2004 I'd tell you it was the coolest damn thing in the world but now mm-hmm. I'm going back to it I'm like it's all right it's you know I'm I'm saying like a three. Out of five, uh, Diary of June was disappointing. High on Tale of Two Sisters. This one's, uh, yeah. Um, I hear you. But phone was phone was okay. But yeah, I'm you just watched like, you watched like you said you watched the most watched films in South Korean history. So I right, mean, you're, yeah, you're good on that front. Yeah, just because they saw this because so many people saw it didn't mean they liked it. Hey, hey the um, Golden Globes are going to start giving awards for this kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and well, we all re- we all respect them. I was trying to stay away from some of the obvious titles, like in some of the obvious directors sure. that were, I wanted to hit like, I would like, I'm glad we got, um, Kim G, um, because like he's, everybody knows everybody else, but like, I, I feel like he's still untapped in terms of, well, when they make the last stand too, I mean, yeah. just start, last start standing some gold down. Still, yeah. Still standing. I'm right. still the chef. Yeah. <laughs> Still standing now. Not only is Johnny Knoxville in my town, but has Chris Pontius, right? <laughs> right, but um, yeah, no, they, they 
yeah, I, I, I know I enjoy it and I, I yeah. am very high on South Korean cinema as a whole. I yeah. just was trying to, I was trying to, enjoy, you know, go maybe a little, not that like my titles are like these obscure ones, but no. um, I, I dig the variety that might, might not have been talked about. And... I'm not trying to push you to defend your list here. I'm just, I'm just asking. If <laughs> yeah, Aaron, don't be a bully. <laughs> But it just it just didn't pan out for me, I guess, when I picked it. I hear, yeah. I you know, I, Full, watched, I watched I watched a number of things and not everything's, you know, needs yeah. to be listed. <laughs> but, right. uh, uh Mike, what's your last one? Well, so I remembered thinking Gonjiam was okay, but I'd already seen everything it did in Grave Encounters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does it it has um like Aaron said, it does have some effectively creepy moments right is there one with like just a naked man just sort of standing and, and shivering and there's one where it's like an isolated man who yeah he's i think he's like okay. just yeah, like yeah. some yeah. tiny whitey or something like that there's... I, I, I wasn't sure if i was thinking of the same movie but yeah that, yeah. that so there's a scene where a guy's tied to a chair and like presences start forming around that's effectively mm. creepy but it's it's a lot coming late like i'm already yeah not checked out by that point but i feel like let's wrap this up Got at that it. point yeah um it's like the it's like the fifth night in the paranormal activity movie it's like we still doing this yeah and <laughs> they, and they try, we're shutting the doors still i think they try to do the the end of blair witch project effect like five times throughout the movie yeah. too uh-huh like it's like come on folks like you mean like a heightened sense of this is the end of the movie kind of thing no or? no, no, no the the guy, like guy standing, standing in the, the corner oh yeah. i see okay guy okay. standing in the corner it. yeah there, there's a lot of that i was waiting for one yeah. to turn around and be like get it yeah. <laughs> as, as he like touches his nose we didn't have more terrible ways to about shields like that where they just like do the thing and they're like right see i see we did <laughs> yeah mike remember what is your last pick this one's for you abe what yeah um so i want to give you guys a zombie movie because there's so many good ones to choose from and a lot, a lot of mediocre ones to choose from mm-hmm. um so this isn't my pick, but just as an aside, I uh, I was wondering if you guys know a movie called A Monstrous Corpse. Nope, I do not know this movie. 1981. It's um, South Korea's very first zombie movie. Oh so wow! It's not great, but uh, just for that bit of history and that bit of trivia, if people are interested, it, it, it even has a, a woman trapped in the car scene, which is a clear homage to Night of the Living Dead. Um, <clears throat> so if that's of any interest, but. Uh, the one I want to pick that I think uh, good old Abe would appreciate is called Zombie for Sale. Do you guys know this one? No, it's, yeah, a, it's a good title. How much are you going for? It's uh, <laughs> it's by director <laughs> Lee Ming Jae. It's a comedy about this family of rural ne'er do wells whose father is bitten by a, a reanimated zombie. And mm-hmm. what they discover is that when you've been bitten, there's this, I guess, sort of like an incubation period during which you actually feel like rejuvenated and 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 younger and alive and his hair kind of grows back and he Uh-oh. just feels it's sort of like it's very much like when Seth Brundle first comes out and he feels, he feels superhuman and yeah great. he feels great <laughs> and then you know and so what the family realizes is like hey we can market this to all the old the, all the elderly people in the community they all <laughs> huh. this sound like Abe <laughs> <laughs> this is right up my alley classic Abe <laughs> <laughs> they set up a side business in which these people come and pay to get bitten um but of course eventually you know it all goes to hell mm. and it's 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 quite funny oh i'm glad 
2019, I think. Yeah, I see that now. Yeah, I, I didn't know this one. I, I don't know. I like my good. I like a good zombie comedy. Zombie for sale. Cool. I'm gonna keep that one. It's on Prime. There we go. Oh wow! Okay, Done yeah. deal. All right. Ching. This ever expanding watch list I have for this month that I'm already very busy with watching other horror movies. For, but uh, no, that's that sounds really cool. Really fun. Um, my last pick is going to be The Wailing. This is from director uh, Na Hong Jin. Uh, it is a two and a half hour horror, I guess, like ghost zombie story. <laughs> it has enough going on. Um, it's about these mysterious killings happening in like a remote village um, and the toll it's taking on the people involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I didn't mention uh, Memories of Murder because I already had a Bong Joon-ho film for one thing, but like there's a similar like feeling. It's probably, like that film is obviously more like indebted to serial killer films and it came before sure. Zodiac, but you can't, it's easy to think of Zodiac in the same breath as Memories of Murder. But this one has like a, because I watched it not too long ago for the first time, like maybe a couple months ago, and it has a, it had a similar feel as far as how, you know, the procedural nature of it, despite the fact that it takes place in a kind of supernatural setting and because it's like so isolated it has a a uniqueness about itself where i think all the other films i've talked about are set in like the you know in the big city essentially where this is more desolate and it makes the the monster element creepier just by having you know nature be a a kind of a natural a a natural way to like kind of spook these characters out and spook the viewer viewer out as far as you know watching people kind of wander in the woods or what have you then something you know is crazy is happening and then the way that expands and gets becomes more of a threat over time um for being such a long movie i think there's a variety of types of stuff that's going down throughout the film that uh keeps the keeps that entertainment value going keeps it interesting keeps the story kind of fresh um no, it's a it's just a it's just a really solid movie. I was happy I finally caught up with it. It's one where it's like a two and a half hour Korean film. It's like I gotta find the time to like put that in my eyeballs at some point, but I was really happy I did. It uh, does the job. It's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for oh. like seven years now. It seems doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So yeah, that's one I really I really enjoyed. It's interesting how I mean, when you say that the the rural setting the the context of the horror in the film has to do with like nature and things like that. And mm-hmm. and I, I have found that that is kind of a common trope. Um, like one film that comes to mind is uh, The Mimic. I don't know if you, you know. I know The one. Mimic, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the poster. I, mean, these, seen the t- yeah, I haven't these, seen it, but. That's a pretty cool one. It's got a great, like, creepy little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but this sort of, when you're in a more rural or more sort of nature-bound setting, what you get is more like folkloric horror. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The urban things in which, like, like, the horror manifests itself through the trappings of modern technology and and all of that. But um with that, with whaling in particular, I remembered my read at the time, and and I'm sure like there's there's been some writing on it, and people have all tuned into this. But the fact that it's not only kind of folkloric, but the idea that the origin or the source of whatever is causing all the all the whaling mm-hmm. is uh, the Japanese man. Yes, yes, that's a that's a relationship <laughs> right? factor. So, like, yeah. yeah. So there's a there's a there's a politics to that, right? In that interesting, sort of yeah. Our folkloric bend is sort of tying back to an era in which our culture and our history and our identity was entirely hijacked by this foreign entity that was causing, you know, not infection or disease in a literal way, but this sort of cancerous infection of Japanese colonialism Mm -hmm. is kind of a difficult uh, illusion not to make when you when you 
make it so explicit that this Japanese man is the is the the threat in this film. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, that's a good takeaway. It, it, it adds yeah. a deep, you know, sense of social value to it, which is you know not unlike other films that we've talked about as far as yeah. what thematic hit, you know heftiness they want to kind of weigh on the audience as they're watching zombies tear people apart and burning buildings or what have you. So <laughs> zombies know how to use fire. The bird, well, things happen that things catch on mm. fire, and the zombies just already there. Like, oh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only, only helps me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know that the zombies turned into Robin Williams. Oh, 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 oh wood. <laughs> um, all right, Aaron, if, if yep. that's your five, I'm a little surprised uh, you didn't mention Young Gari. Is I that because not... it's <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've not seen Young Gari. You know it, it's a Kaiju. Oh. Kaiju film. It's very like man in a rubber suit kicking over miniatures. <laughs> How am I spelling Yogi? How am I spelling this? Oh, it's uh Y, it's either Y-O-N or Y-U-N-G-A-R-Y. And then there's like, I don't know, Monster from the Deep or from I the Yungari Monster from the Deep. Yeah. I see that. No, uh, I saw I was I saw, okay. I, I saw this poster. Yeah. I, I saw there's like that. There's a film called Monstrum, I believe, as well. Uh, as Ooh, far as it used to be in a double was... feature with conga oh, monster okay. place in like the 1700s or something it's kind mm. of a yeah. feudal era monster movie but th- this one is uh modern uh you know whenever the film was made i think early 70s maybe um the the curious thing about young gari is that it only exists in its terrible english dub oh Uh-oh. yeah it was released by um aip back in the day with like bad english dubbing but then for some reason i'm not sure the original Korean version was lost. It's just no one's been able to find it. So you mm. can only get it in, in bad English. Mm. I think MST3K did a riff on it. So it's it's like that, that might be why of... I know the poster at okay. least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I already had the host. So I'm going to like overload my thing with mods with giant monster movies. But I'm not averse to eventually catching up with Yungari. Um With all that I said, I wouldn't watch it sober. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with all that said uh, we've done it we've gone over our, our lists here of our south korean films i think we've had a pretty solid discussion about south korean horror in general covering a lot of different facets um so thank you guys this is a fun discussion thank you guys for enlightening me on uh south korean horror for sure and uh, yeah i have all these films written down so i will be adding them to the show notes as well so all the viewers all the listeners can uh you know keep up if they want to and check out whatever you know films of their choice um so with that said, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up our our first 2023 horror special here. Um, you can find all my work on my personal blog, thegoodisique.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Wheel Entertainment and Why So Blue, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4, Abe. Find more for that for my Instagram, Abe.mu and Twitter.com slash moose. Hashtag South Korean horror films. Brandon? Uh the Brandon Peters Show, uh the Brandon Peters Show.com, social media at Brandon 4KUHD uh horror wise coming up here on that brand peter show i'm doing a troy brownfield from saturday evening post and i are doing another installment of products of the panic uh 35 years since the geraldo rivera uh devil worship um scare thing that he special he put on two hour special he put on primetime television uh, about satanism in the united Mm. states which is must uh, have been hard-hitting and very accurate Quite oh, it, it's it's nuts. Uh, now, did Gomez Adam Cullen like he did with Sally Jesse Raphael? No, he did not. Um, but uh, Ozzy comes in, so oh. Ozzy talks. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, on uh, October twenty first, I'll be a guest at Doctoberfest, 
Hey, uh, which is a doc- Doctor Who uh, convention slash festival, along with uh, Sophie Aldred, who played Ace in the 1987 to 89 iteration of Doctor Who starring Sylvester McCoy. And of course, uh, all things me with live podcasts and podcast awards at popcon.us. All right. Awesome. Mike Dillon, anything you'd like to plug? No, I'm not hip like you guys. But oh, one, I, one's a, one's, one's a, yeah. I will, uh, stay tuned. I'm, I'm scheduled to be back on with you shortly to discuss uh, Saw X. Yeah, we'll have Boom. our we've we've somehow look like a third anniversary. We we flopped into a, a <laughs> annual Saw tradition now, where every time they say there's the newest one, it might be the last, or maybe we'll keep going. Mike and I seem to talk about these the new Saw movies. Saw Can't tenure wait. seat. Saw tenure seat belts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, great. Um, so let's see. We talked about South Korea. Next week's show is going to be focused on Australian horror. Australian horror is coming up next. Let's do it. So, uh, grab your gators and uh, get things ready for that. That's Uh, not a knife. This is a knife. Grab your crocs. crocs (laughs) Stab somebody in the chest. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Mike, for joining us this week. Thank you, Brandon. Thank Thank you, you, Mike. Thank you both. And, uh, yeah, until next time, so long. And goodbye. Yo, it's JYP again. You ready, Rain? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, let's give them what they want. One, two, one, two, three. Here we go. I'm